Hi, Heather. Hey, Miranda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. It's sunny here in Portland, which is rare in February, so I'm feeling great. <laughs> good. It's dark here in Berlin because it's nighttime. I so know. you guys will always get the um, the tired version of me and the nice fresh version of Heather. <laughs> I'm actually so deeply grateful that you let us do this when it's my morning and your night, because remember the time we tried it when it was my night and your morning and I was kind of a disaster because yeah, no, it I has guess. to be so late. Yeah. And I get up at 530 and I often start working pretty closely after that. And so it's like, I'm like on the 530 to 830 schedule these days. Yes. But that's how yes. it goes when you live in a, another country from your business. Partner. Although I will say that I loved saying goodbye to your children before school that day. That was adorable. It's cute. <laughs> They're cute. So what, uh, what's so new tell in your me world? what you're thinking about. Tell me what's going on in your world. Oh, me first. Um, I'm just happy to be in one place sitting still. I um January was nuts for me. I don't know how we launched a podcast in Jan it was January when we actually did it, right? Or was it February? Yes, it was. <laughs> Cuz I was so busy in January. I was in Switzerland with my pals in uh at Eversys. I was with you in New York. Then so I fun. was just at Cropster in Innsbruck, Austria and um teaching about coffee roasters on like their global events where they, their whole team was there. They're an incredible crew. So yeah, all of that stuff was super fun and really enlightening, but like, it's nice to sit still and to sleep yeah, in my no bed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you probably yeah. have a pocket full of receipts from all that travel too, which sounds, which oh is always God, like. That's too real. <laughs> I was just <laughs> I was on like... my way, on my way home from picking up my son today from school. I would just reached into my coat pocket and was like, oh God, there's so many receipts in here. Back <laughs> from the first trip, back from Switzerland. <laughs> I'm always so. so grateful for work, travel, and the support and things like that. Well, now that we're entrepreneurs, we're supporting ourselves. But it's like, it's like, oh, God, the expense report is going to hurt for this one. <laughs> I know. I know. I need to do it. Yeah. Never. But those are some awesome trips. And I just loved seeing in yeah. you in New York and going and drinking coffee at all those places. What a fun, amazing trip. I know. We we're very lucky that we could do that. So what about yeah. you? What's new in your world? What's on your mind? Oh my gosh, so much good stuff. Um, I just got my husband back from Switzerland, so I'm happy about that. Um, all you world travelers need to sit still for a little bit. Um, but I was going to tell you that Portland, yet again, made um, like best coffee city in the U.S., according to Travel and Leisure, which makes me which really happy. Which is where you live. Because, yeah, which is where I live. And we really need the love from all the publications because it seems like a lot of national publications have been liking ripping on Portland a little bit. And I'm like, okay, we've got some good, <laughs> something good about Portland again. Um, but yeah, so we were, I, I liked this stat I was going to tell you. So um, there's 28 coffee shops per 100,000 residents, which I thought was kind of cool. And okay, so um, what's the nor what's the normal? Is there an average in the United States? I don't know, but it said, it said that, uh, so the, the research firm that put this out was called clever and um they hmm. they ranked some cities based on best coffee cities and um, probably on a number of criteria portland ranked 91 whereas like the average u.s city ranked at like 71 so i mean that's a large spread and so yeah. way to go yeah. guys 
I loved it. I'm I'm so happy. And it's true. Like you kind of feel it when you're here in Portland because and it's mm-hmm. kind of like being in L.A. If you're in the industry in the film or media mm-hmm. industry here in Portland, you just like run into people around town from the coffee business. And I think it's really I don't know. It's just a, a great community. Like, for example, I was having lunch with Sarah Allen, who's the editor of Barista Magazine and an old family friend and one of the more delightful humans I know in the world, which is hard because I know a lot of delightful humans. And we were having this big bowl of delicious ramen noodles. And um, my brother, Alden, who a lot of people know, is one of the founders of Hollander Chocolate. Shameless plug, best chocolate in the world for your cafe. Anyway, I'm sitting there with Sarah and Alden, and we run into um, Darren Daniels, who you know is, um, he's the former executive director of Cup of Excellence. He's now Veritas. Yeah. And and now yeah. he owns Walk, Rockaway Roasters in this tiny little amazing beach town that I'll take you to next time you're in Oregon. And he was having lunch with Alex Pond, who's like the ace educator, like coffee educator um, that tons of people love. And um, funny enough, I was going to tell you that um, there's have, did I tell you that there's a roast summit here in Portland that's being sponsored by Roast Magazine? Yes, that's right. And that's coming yeah, up so soon. That's is at that the like end next of week February? Or and Alex okay. is doing a cupping workshop with Scott Merle from La Manita. And so I think I'm going to see if I can go volunteer and get a spot. <laughs> nice. Portland anyway. is like the West Side Erewhon of LA or something. <laughs> wait, wait. We totally. talked about Erewhon in our last episode. We can't just keep talking about Erewhon. My fault. It's the coffee industry place to see and be seen, but now travel and leisure have all leisure have also like given us that love. And I just wanted to tell you about it because I think it's like so special and true. You wanted a little validation. We all do, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted you and the world to know that there are some good things about Portland. It's sunny. We have great coffee and some cool people to run into. <laughs> I just like the nature. I like, oh, um, yeah. I love the forests. Up there in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. That's my jam. Me too. I'm staring at the forest right now, which is delightful. I'm so jealous. I'm still so. in the dark. Um, oh. I'm holding my microphone today. So uh, I apologize if I look and sound like a news anchor, but <laughs> that's just the deal. This just in from Miranda Caldwell in Berlin. <laughs> my foreign correspondent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm the foreign correspondent. I love it. So what yeah. are we talking about today? Yeah. Why are we here? Oh, yeah. Good question. So speaking of not what we were speaking of was um, we wanted to talk about mergers and acquisitions in the coffee industry because, yeah, as, as you know, topic. so sexy <laughs> mergers, and and mergers and acquisitions are these like sort of crazy things that happen in the world that really shape the way consumers and the industry feel about certain industries, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and in our so industry, at least. Our industry, yeah. Well, I think of them like when a smaller company is purchased by a larger company, I think of it like in the 90s when your favorite like indie band was purchased by a major record label and you were like, oh, sell out. Now I can't, now I can't listen to that music anymore or whatever. Now I can't yeah. drink that coffee anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, a younger me definitely thought that, definitely used the term sellout, and oh, definitely sure. used to, 
uh, say the term commercial coffee. That's commercial coffee. That's corporate coffee. Don't drink. Oh, corporate with that coffee. face too. That face. Of yeah, with that face. For those <laughs> and my dad still makes fun of me, by the way. He does not let things go. And he's like, but that's corporate coffee. And I'm like, I have an MBA now, dad. It's all, <laughs> I'm allowed to I, drink I believe in corporations. <laughs> I sold out. No, <laughs> I, I am now a capitalist dad. No, I'm kidding. Anyway. No, but I, I mean, now, you know, now that I understand mergers and acquisitions, it makes a lot of sense. But I think that some of the, um, some of the PR around mergers and acquisitions are earned by not untrue moments where like company mm -hmm. valuations are actually degraded by being purchased or in term, you know, being acquired or being merged with. And so mm -hmm. I think they have gotten a bit of a bad reputation from that, but it's not always bad. Right. And so I think you and yeah. I were talking about, let's talk about some of the major moments that shape our industry, but also some interesting things that come out of mergers and acquisitions, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, if my shirt tells you anything, I really wanted to look at this through the lens of Blue Bottle because what's really fascinating about that to me is that they're on both sides. Yes. They acquired companies and then they were acquired. Um, yes. Or were they mergers? We'll talk about that. But um, so that's to come. But first, let's maybe dig into a little bit more like what does this even mean for yes. those of us who haven't gone to business school or yeah. don't nerd out on The Economist or, you know, <laughs> publications like that? Um, what is I that? Know. What I, does it look like? I have to say, I love The Economist, but I'm so cheap. I like read all the summaries of the articles because I'm like, I know. it's too expensive. Harvard Business Review, you like run yeah. out after four articles and I'm like, ah. <laughs> change my IP address. Why do you know that that's me? I, by the way, I have to comment on your blue bottle, blue shirt. You are lovely in that blue color. So Thank that you. was I'm a trying nice to figure choice. Out, TikTok and I are trying to figure out if I'm a winter or what my color. And I, I, are you on the side of TikTok yet? That is all no. about color analysis. No, <laughs> I should be on there who get all into it. And I'm like, shit, I think I'm a winter and I don't <laughs> want to be a winter. <laughs> I am definitely all summer. Everyone yeah. always thinks I'm from Southern California and I'm like, nope. You do nope. seem, you've got the vibe. I'm a moss head here in Portland. That's just what it is. So not the vibe. Where <laughs> you are like, I don't know. Do, yeah. you, do you have a hacky sack? Oh, I did back in the day. I had a hacky I sack, trust me. So anyway, um, back to mergers and acquisitions because I know that's mm -hmm. what the people want to hear about. <laughs> Yeah, not your hacky sack. Um, so let's dig into like the difference between a merger and acquisition because I know that a lot of folks know this, but it's just helpful to have review. So merger usually happens when two companies decide to come together as one. It's a beautiful process. Mommy and daddy, did no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the mergers are like, let's get together as one. Maybe they're one's a larger company and one's a smaller. Sometimes they're the same size. It's just when they want, they have some strategic reason for aligning and becoming one company. Acquisitions are when one company buys the other one. And that's the one that like usually makes the most headlines, it seems like. Um, and there, it's usually because a larger company is buying a smaller company, like a golden goose that's laying golden eggs because the larger company isn't nimble enough to go do that for themselves. And so they try and buy it up and um, either be a part of it or 
find a competitive advantage or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're not asleep yet, I was going to tell you there's a couple kinds of mergers and acquisitions. So there's horizontal mergers and acquisitions. There's conglomerate mergers. Um, and that those happen when two companies in unrelated industries merge. So like a coffee company and a tech company come together to form a robot coffee, right? Um, which we've seen happen a few times. There's product extension mergers. There's market extension mergers. This one's actually interesting because this is when two companies that kind of do the same thing and have a similar product offering um, come together to essentially grow markets um, and, and expand geography. So one of the ones when I was thinking about this that came to mind, an example that came to mind was when Nabi Saleh from, uh, he was one of the owners of Gloria Jean's Coffee. Um, he sold Gloria Jean's in 2014 for 1 million, what was it? $163.5 million to, um, let's see, who did he sell it to? RFG Company, which, which was basically the guys that own um, uh, a couple of different other places like Cafe to You, Coffee Guy Group. Um, they own a ton of other places. I can't remember. Anyway, this is what I thought was interesting. They paid $153.5 million in cash to Nobby's business. And the rest, the other $10 million, was in RFG shares. So I'm like, somebody's liquid. <laughs> Jeez. You know, I'm having a memory that I to totally forgot that my first love affair with coffee was at Gloria Jean. Really? It was when was I it it was creamy. I, I worked creamy, at the creaminess. Mm -hmm. And this was when I was 15. I oh, worked yes. at the mall and yes, I would queen. go to Gloria Jean <laughs> and have it blended with a Butterfinger. Stop. No way. They couldn't do that anymore because of peanut allergies, right? Oh, probably not. I don't know. That sounds so good. I don't though. know. Oh my God. I've had and at it was least just one I was, of that for sure. <laughs> I was just drinking candy bars. That's all I was doing. Oh, where was my mother? Oh, gross. <laughs> I mean, not gross if you like that, but like, that's intense. That's intense. I know. Anyway. Okay. I got to tell you, when I was a young coffee person, I was working for It's a Grind Coffee House. Shout out to whoever remembers them. Actually, they were acquired by Gloria Jeans at one point, funny enough. But the know? one of the main menu items that was our LTO was called a Funky Monkey. And it was like a chocolate blended, like before Frappuccinos were really a thing. It was like a blended frappe with shots of espresso, chunky peanut butter, and chocolate yes. chips all blended into one. And then I had one regular customer that would get a venti. Well, back then we called them extra large, I think. And she would have it made with half and half and then whipped cream blended into it. Oh, yeah. We had those kind of customers. Oh, yeah. Girl, if you're the out full... there still, I hope you're still alive. <laughs> I know. Get an EKG. <laughs> Like back in those days, I was like, that's a bit excessive, but sure. No problem. I can make you that. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> I, I get it. Okay. Back to mergers and acquisitions. So anyway, yeah. Vertical acquisitions are the ones you're going to talk about a little bit today in relation to blue bottle. And yeah. um, a lot of people know this as like vertical integration, et cetera. Um, but it's also a way to achieve. It's a way to achieve vertical in integration really quickly, right? Is buy the go. capability, purchase the capability, purchase the, yes. and like you said, of, you know, wanting to go to a new market overseas, just purchase the capability to do that, right? Yes. Yes. Much easier. Totally. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, thank you for unpacking that. That's totally exactly right. Um, anyway, I wanted to really quick before you dive into Blue Bottle, just mention a couple other really famous mergers and acquisitions that a lot of people probably know. Um, mm -hmm. So I was just going to mention the one. So Starbucks is notorious for mergers and acquisitions in all different ways. But some of the big ones were back in 2003 when they bought Seattle's Best Coffee. And um, they that was a strategic brand portfolio opportunity. But Seattle's Best at the time was like a very big deal. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. that. Oh, yeah. Um, my dad and then used later, to buy their coffee. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Later on, Nestle then bought Starbucks packaged goods in 2018. So it's like all these major famous mergers and acquisitions happening. Um, and funny enough, that's how we got a bunch of Starbucks, not a bunch. We got a couple of Starbucks execs at Stumptown was because mm -hmm. they were like running away from the Nestle deal in one way or another. Um, but I'm sure that was a great move. And then the other famous one to kind of, it would be in remiss not to mention is obviously JAB Holdings. Um, and, you know, they not only bought Green Mountain, which was like Keurig Green Mountain was a huge purchase, but then they bought Caribou Coffee and Pete's Coffee, who went and went on to buy Stumptown and Intelligentsia. Um, and so those were some major acquisitions in our business. Um, and then the largest acquisition that happened in 2018 in the history of coffee was Coca-Cola acquiring Costa Coffee. And they bought that company for $5.1 billion with the B dollars. And it was also Coca-Cola could get into like a specialty coffee type of market, um, mm -hmm. which I've never been to a Costa before. Have you? Because I don't know what they're like at all. Did it work for Coca-Cola? Okay. I've never been to like a Costa retail, but I've been like just when I was in Innsbruck at their airport, I had to spend a lot of time there due to a canceled flight. And um, they had like a what what do you call that when it's like like a kiosk? Yeah, a kiosk. But like, I don't it probably wasn't run by Costa. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, what is, like a third I'm, party concessions company running a Costa yeah, yeah. location. That, yeah, that's totally. my assumption. Yeah, yeah. Because it yeah. was in an airport, but and you can um, kind of tell the difference because they're like, "Which button yeah. do I push?" And you're like, "Can I just get behind that bar, please?" <laughs> well, and I was like, "Can I clean that bar, please?" Um, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I learned my I learned some lessons from a friend um, about uh, about you know drinking milk, even alternative milk beverages in places that you don't know. Oh no, uh, I don't want to know that. I know. I know. That's why I, I couldn't, I was messaging with him on Instagram and I was like, I can't finish my coffee now. And I really, Oh no, <laughs> like you can't unlearn it once you learn it. I know. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Andre. <laughs> Please anyway. don't tell me ever, Miranda, as your friend, I, I want you to <laughs> leave me. I don't know details. Thank God. I don't happy know details. Ignorance. Yeah. Oh my anyway. God. Anyway. That's okay, my so full the last one before we dig into Blue Bottle is the Chobani acquisition of La Colombe, which was just recent and like also mm -hmm. a huge acquisition. And mm -hmm. um, that was so that Chobani could kind of get out of Greek yogurt and try and break into the coffee world. And it was obviously great for La Colombe because they've expanded across. Whoa, I just knocked my microphone over. <laughs> That's I'm just holding like so much. I'm just throwing my microphone. But um, 
La Colombe is now in like every retailer in the United States. And I would right. just assume that was partially thanks to Chobani. So definitely a strategic alignment. So now that I've gone on a diatribe about famous specialty coffee um, acquisitions and mergers, and I guess I didn't really get into mergers, but acquisitions, I want to hear your story from an industry insider's perspective and all the juicy details about the blue bottle stuff. Um, so yeah, tell yeah. us more. Yeah. So you're going to hear this from my perspective, which is um, an ex-wife's perspective. So um, basically what say I that again. Really you said ex-wife's perspective. Let's say that for oh, listeners you'll again. <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> So sorry, everyone, we're going to dig into my personal life. Um, so basically, what in 2014, in April, it was announced that Blue Bottle was purchasing Handsome Coffee Roasters and Tonks. So okay. if you don't know who those folks are, Handsome was a coffee roasting facility and cafe in um, like the Arts District of downtown LA. Mm -hmm. And it was started by three former Intelligentsia employees, um, Michael, Tyler, and Chris. And mm -hmm. Michael Phillips, World Barista Champion, current yes. friend, hi Michael. Um, Tyler Wells, who when I met him was the cafe manager at the Intelli Pasadena store. And at the time oh, yeah. Michael lived in Chicago. So this was oh. before, at the time before Handsome started. Hold on, I got my story all mixed up. So before Handsome started, Michael was living in Chicago, coming to LA all the time. Got it. Tyler was the manager at Pasadena. And then Chris Owens also worked at the Pasadena Intelligentsia. And the three mm. of them would come into the cafe that I worked at, that I was the manager mm. of in downtown LA called Coffee Bar. We had just opened oh. and they just kept coming in and hanging out and like meeting each other there. That was in, that would have been in like 20, oh, 2010, 2011, 2011. Yeah. We both and have so a terrible brain for like dates, I feel like, but. I know. <laughs> so 2000, 2011, I was living in LA. I was the manager at this coffee bar and those Got three it. would come in all the time. Yeah. Fast forward. Oh, wait a second. They're opening. They're all leaving Intelligentsia. Mike's moving to LA and they're opening Handsome. So in were they 2011, scheming there at your coffee bar? You were serving them yeah. espresso while they were scheming handsome. Yeah, I love it. I was I was serving, I was fueling their um, their business plans. Not I love that. So they started handsome <laughs> in 2011, and meanwhile, the reason I, well, we'll get to that later. And Tonks Coffee started in 2011, also the same year, started by this guy who goes by Tonks, his name's Tony Knesny, and he started it with his business partner. Okay. And so they started in the same year. In 2014, Blue Bottle decided to purchase both companies. So the announcement came out and I was like, whoa, Hanson was bought by Blue Bottle. Hadn't yes. heard about the story with Tonks. So I went to a job interview for, uh, to interview for working with Verve. And I was talking yeah. to Chris Jordan, who was hiring me, and I was hired. But in the interview, I said, oh, yeah, did you hear that Handsome sold a blue bottle? And he goes, yeah, and Tonks. And I was like, excuse me, what? And he goes, yeah, and they bought Tonks also. And I was like, 
what? They did? And he's like, yeah. uh, yeah, do you know him? And I'm like, he's my ex-husband. Oh and he's like, God, oh. <laughs> I told him right in the interview. Like, he's my ex-husband. How did he take that? Like, he's my ex-husband? Was he like, you just made out gold? It's, like, what happened? It's fine. I, nothing really. But what the reason it stopped me in my tracks is because I married Tony right before he started Tonks. So okay. he and I had known each other for like a couple months and <laughs> I thought I was doing something really fun and romantic and I ran off and married him after not really knowing him. Turns out it wasn't oh, romantic. It was just irresponsible. And <laughs> I was just, I was an alcoholic and trying to change my people, places and things to like fix myself. Got it. He's a very yeah. nice guy. Wasn't the also, right youth thing. makes it so romantic. I blame, I, I blame like 90s rom-coms for making that seem like a good idea because we were watching things like Sleepless in Seattle where they like get on a plane and meet in New York and next thing you know, they like have a blended family. So I know not entirely your, your fault. You were kind of programmed to think that was like a neat idea. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, and I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. And we, and it, you know, it was a little bit romantic. We got married at a payphone in, uh, at Nepenthe in Big Sur. Uh -huh. Anyway. You, you have so, to say who signed your marriage license though. That one's good too. I know our friend, Wendy, you don't have to who, say. our friend, she now works at blank street. Sorry, Wendy, I'm bringing you into this. Um, <laughs> anyway. Hi Wendy, we didn't meet, but now you're part of the podcast. <laughs> anyway. So Tony and I were together for like a couple months, like not very long. I, I left, I went to LA. I got this job where I was serving the handsome, the handsome handsomers at the uh -huh. cafe. And, but here's the thing, Tony and I were legally married and we yeah. didn't have the money. Neither of us, we were both broke. We couldn't, you know, rub yeah. two pennies together. And so we didn't have the money to get divorced. Oh, and so geez. we were married for years. Yeah. Until people problems. Yeah, until one day, divorce papers showed up. Mm. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, cool. He's got a little money. We're getting married. That's nice. Divorce. And two weeks later. Divorce. Divorce. Thank you. We're getting divorced. And like two weeks later, I'm in this job interview with Chris Jordan learning. Oh, oh that's why we got divorced. Slimey. Slimey. <laughs> it's because his company was just purchased. Right. Not slimy, totally smart. I get it. Okay. So he's, are we, no, he's it's not slimy. You're right. It was smart. Also, my question is for you, do you think your divorce was funded by Blue Bottle Coffee? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Good question. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Here, I, I have to say, Tony is a fantastic human. I'm glad to know him. I'm glad we are still connected. And yes. in fact, we're even working on something together. It turns out before SCA with Jeff Watts. So hopefully Tony, if we'll I meet you, I did not mean you're slimy. I think you're great. He's I'm not, sorry. He's, come on. He's dealing with a woman who married him after only a few weeks. I mean, you know, <laughs> like know your audience, right? Yes. So anyway, that is my perspective on all of this is one as like in in the middle, but not at all involved. So in 2014, <laughs> they both sold 
to Blue Bottle. And so what was okay. Tonks? So Tonks was a subscription service, like a coffee subscription okay. service. Early days of and, coffee subscription. Yeah, exactly. And what one thing that Tony is really good at is like knowing a lot of internet people, knowing a lot of really smart people. He himself is very smart and figuring out like how to do this thing really smartly. And okay. that was clearly recognized by Blue Bottle, right? Like nice. Blue Bottle wanted those capabilities of this e-commerce mm -hmm. business. Um, yeah. And so what were they looking for from Handsome? Well, Blue Bottle wanted to move to LA. And so they were purchasing the capability of a roastery and a cafe, like done, yeah. right? Amazing. And so what I found really interesting, well, first of all, I don't think it's been disclosed anywhere, the the purchase price for these companies. But what we do know is that before they acquired these companies, Blue Bottle raised $25.75 million. Okay. So you have to know like a chunk of that went towards these businesses, right? Right. They also sure. um, announced plans to start a roastery in Tokyo. So they were doing a lot of expansion at the time. Yeah. So if you are rapidly expanding, you need to rapidly buy capability, right? And that's basically yeah. what they did. Okay. Um, and so when you look at like all of the news articles that came out at the time, it's very much uh -huh. like um, the whole thing was positioned as if it was a merger. So interesting. <laughs> I thought so too, excuse me. So it was like, oh, we're just taking on Handsome and we're taking on Tonks. And even the Tonks people were saying, this is more like a merger. We're creating a business unit inside of Blue Bottle. Um, okay. And we're going to maintain our name Why do you think they were all everything. talking about it in that way? Why do you think they not, went that direction? You're not sure? It's I a also, good question. I think it's to soften the industry blow. Oh, I see. Yeah, because people can be really tricky with the whole, like, you sold out kind of thing, right? Exactly. Got and it. And so yeah. here's the funny thing. So in April, the acquisitions were announced. Well, the mergers, right? Saying that, oh, we were going to, you know, basically just come together. After three months, Handsome became a blue bottle. Okay. And after five that. months, yep. And after five months, the Tonks brand was retired. So, wow. yeah. So it wasn't at all a merger. These no. were acquisitions for capability. Yeah. And my guess is that blue bottle knew all along what they were doing they were yeah. building value in their company. So yeah. in order to be able to sell, you have to have something people want, which is, mm -hmm. you know, an e-commerce system with all the back end or the roasting facility, or you have to be valuable enough to bring on as an asset, right? Mm -hmm. To build up right. the value of my company. Sure. So Nestle probably had been smelling Blue Puddle for a long time, right? Okay, and yeah. In um, 2017, Nestle acquired a 68% stake in Blue Bottle yeah. and paid $425 million for that stake. Which I remember that because I was like $425 million, you know, and I was just like, mm -hmm. that's an insane number. But now we hear numbers, I mean, not like that all the time, but we hear big numbers now pretty often, yeah. but I, I, it blew my mind when Blue Bottle was purchased by Nestle for sure. Yeah. And I think it, it, it blew a lot of people's minds, but it, when you look back in hindsight, you can start to see these breadcrumbs, right? Like, right. oh, right. 
they were rapidly expanding. They were purchasing these capabilities. Their retail growth strategy was like gangbusters, right? They yeah. were like, I lived in LA. They were, they were just popping up new stores in LA totally. all the time and closing them just as quickly and being like, okay, that didn't yeah. work. Pull it. You know, like yeah. that shows a level of maturity, like yeah. from a business perspective of like, oh, we see the writing on the wall. We got to cut it because we can't afford to leak value. Totally. Because we want to be acquired by the big guys. So who was not? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I just had a question for you. Who was like running those things at that time? Do you know? Like who were making who was making those decisions for Blue Bottle at that time? Do you know? Which decisions? Like just in just in general, like the like the acquisitions of different places and the closure of stores and the opening of stores. Do we know who was in their C-suite at the time? I don't. I don't know. I mean, James Freeman, I think, has has stayed. Um, I mean, he stayed, stayed involved as a founder. I can't remember who, who their CEO was through this. I should probably okay. know that, but I don't. I've actually never been a person, like, I think because I was more an LA coffee person than like a Bay yeah. Area coffee person. I, I don't feel like, like, I could probably tell you all the dirt about Intelligentsia, but um, yeah. you know, yeah. but like Blue yeah. Bottle is like just a little bit of, more of a black box for me. Yeah, but, I agree. Um, I remember that too. Because mm -hmm. we were in you, L I was in LA at the same time. And funny right. enough, I was working for Wolfgang Klinker at the brand new LA Stumptown Roasting Facility. And then he left. I loved working for him. And then he left to go work for Blue Bottle when right after they acquired both mm -hmm. Handsome and mm -hmm. Tonks. And I'm like, no, okay. you can't leave me. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he's still at Blue Bottle. I don't know. Hey, Wolfgang, if you're out there. <laughs> Well, there was a lot of like in LA at the time, there was a lot of sort of speculation and, and there were some deals going on with Blue Bottle and like Tartine and, and all this yes. stuff about like what's going to happen. And I think a lot of that stuff fell through. But when you stay close to kind of bigger businesses, there's a lot mm -hmm. of that swirling around. Like, yep, I worked at a multinational corporation called Steelcase that makes office furniture. I mean, they have an entire department that's mergers and acquisitions like it's a constant yeah. effort that they have they bought there's a brand here in europe that they bought when i was there called bolia bolia i know it's beautiful stuff but you know just always trying to um even if it's so that's actually a good example so Steelcase is a very i don't know kind of rigid but like super high quality highly engineered office furniture company but bolia is a high design beautiful scandinavian style furniture mm, company. and lovely. so that i think is actually a really good illustration of what nestle did with blue bottle so oh. nestle has obviously an incredible um an incredibly robust supply chain yeah. business management um financials you know everything is obviously very the, the highest level well, then you buy someone like Blue Bottle, Blue Bottle so that you can, it's the street cred. It's mm -hmm. the, the fine, the, it's their special, I always say it's like their specialty coffee R&D arm. So yeah. what they've been able to do is take their capabilities. So what do we know Nestle for? Instant coffee. Yeah. What is Blue Bottle doing more and more and more of these days? Instant coffee. But guess mm -hmm. what? It's delicious. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, right. I saw, um, I was hanging out with Mike Phillips at, uh, SCA last year 
and we were talking about it. I was like, what's with this instant espresso? And he was telling me about it. And I was like, oh, you just sold me. And I went and I was going to LA for a while after, after SCA. And I went and I went to the Venice blue bottle and I bought some and I was like, I just want to have this on me everywhere I go. Like I love it, you know, and that capability came with their attachment to Nestle, you know, and, and now we're seeing, um, the Nespresso, the blue bottle Nespresso capsules. And they're yeah, the they just really, announce those. Yeah. They're the really good ones. So like Nespresso has, um, you know, capsules that were like the patents up. And so anybody can make them, but these are oh. still under patent protection. So they're right. like, they're really, they'll give you the best extraction. Oh, nice. I don't know as much about this as some people I know do. So I, I feel stupid even talking about it, but like they're, they're better. They're really, they're really high quality. So um, this is the interesting thing that can happen with these kinds of company deals. And totally, um, it depends, I guess it depends what side of the coin you're on, whether or not you like it, but mm-hmm. I bet you whoever has the right Nespresso machine at home and really truly wants to have high quality coffee is super stoked that they get to yeah. put blue bottle capsules in their machine. Oh yeah. That's amazing. um, Yeah. That's like extremely high level, but that's the gist. And sorry, we went way too deep into my personal life, but, um, (laughs) that was partially at my encouragement. So I, well, um, I can't, I feel like I can't talk about it without being honest. It's like my, um, I, I should say I have been sober for nine and a half years. And so, um, it's that part of me of like, I have to be open and honest about everything. So if I'm going <laughs> to talk about Blue Bottle and even mention Tonks, yeah, I have to say sure. that Tony's my ex-husband. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You know, one of the things that, um, just going back to Blue Bottle's instant coffees, I think that alone could be, there's a couple of topics in this podcast that we could definitely delve into more, but that alone could be an interesting one to talk about because I think that with Blue Bottle's specialty coffee mixed with Nestle's uh, instant coffee capabilities, we definitely have a moment of innovation where, you know, consumers today are looking for more instant gratification and convenient mm-hmm. type of formats for coffee. And Blue Bottle is now arriving with specialty coffee in a format that you can take on the go, have consistent quality coffees, and Nestle's making that possible for them. And I think that it will personally push the industry to come up with like what they have now, which is like origin, origin led instant coffees and espresso led mm. instant coffees. And like all these things that are kind of like pushing the innovation envelope on what it means to be instant coffee. It's not just low quality crap coffee right. anymore. It's now something that even consumers of specialty coffee want to drink. Right. Yeah. It's something I'm really interested in because um, I've talked about this a lot recently. Like, I am terrified of brewing super duper duper micro lot, super high quality coffee. I am too. I, I like save them I'm until like... they're old because <laughs> I'm yeah. scared I'm going to do it wrong. <laughs> yes. And which is why I think it's brilliant that Blue Bottle, I'm, this is starting to sound like a Blue Bottle commercial. This is not. Um, but <laughs> not like, sponsored by Blue Bottle. <laughs> not sponsored or Nestle. Um, right. But I think that. Um, them doing like they did some coffees from Yemen. So it's like, yeah, 
that are, you know, really high quality, special lots of coffee. And I'm like, yeah, that I'll, I'll buy that. I'll drink that because yeah. all I have to do is add hot water. Actually, you can even just add cold water if you're into that. But really? um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's okay. Sign me up for that because the, the quality reduction that you get from the instant in my mind is safer yeah. than the quality reduction you could get from like brewing that stuff wrong or like yeah. your grinder having a bad day. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I want to do, and now I want to go do like sort of a, a tasting with like an origin in the instant format and then an origin like fresh ground roasted yeah. and see like how, what really the difference is. But what we do know is that there's a lot of cup tasters and quality assurance people that are doing some of that work already for us because they're yeah. funded to go do that. So <laughs> I would imagine that they're putting out a product that they're proud of. Um, one right. would hope anyway. <laughs> yeah. Friend of the coffee so, MBA, Carly Green is, uh, she was on part of, part of that team to launch the instant at blue bottle. And she also worked at Cometeer. So she's, yeah. she's definitely a QC instant QC gal. Yeah. And so we know somebody who's been a part of that QA QC process and mm -hmm. we know that she's not putting out products. She's not probably proud of. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've definitely dug into M&A in this um, podcast. I feel like we could also unpack all of those Starbucks acquisitions. We could unpack all of those JAB acquisitions. Um, but we thought it was fun to just talk about Blue Bottle because that was also just such a huge part of our specialty coffee lineage, you know, and mm -hmm. heritage of having our specialty coffee, like one of our own purchased out by a large company. I feel like that was like that was the first time I personally felt like, oh, my God, they're in my living room, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Did that happen so, before or after the JAB stuff? Long before. So Stumptown had been sold to TSG, which was a private equity. We didn't even get into, like, private equity versus, like, public mergers and acquisitions. But um, mm -hmm. That that TSG deal had happened already, but for me that felt different than having like Nestle come in. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a private equity firm doesn't have coffee capability, and yeah. the the history that Nestle has. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. I think ultimately, though, Miranda, this could be pretty good for our industry as long as it continues to help us grow our audience grow our revenue capabilities. I just, the one thing I don't want to see is specialty coffee gobbled up into something that's mm -hmm. no longer like recognizable to itself. But I do mm -hmm. think having more money, more resources and more education around specialty coffee is ultimately really good for our industry. What do you think about that? I agree. I mean, I think that, um, I hope that if you don't want to sell as a business owner or business manager or founder or whatever, that you don't have to, right? Like right. if you want to remain independent and you love working in your business and you love supporting your community and being a part of that, I hope for you that you get to continue to do that. And I hope that yeah. we at the Coffee MBA or whoever can help you with resources so that you can keep doing that. However, yeah. an exit strategy is sometimes nice, right? And yeah. I hope yeah. that um and and I think there's there are new models happening where it doesn't have to be a four hundred and twenty five million dollar deal. 
it can be a much smaller deal that's kind of right size for you and your business if you have a little bit more of a lifestyle business with these new you know yeah. newer operations like Fairwave Collective and stuff like that there are, right. there are these like interesting new opportunities for acquisitions and mergers um and i think that it's all what i just want to say is like none of it's a good thing and none of it's a bad thing it's all yeah. about the choice making of business and mm -hmm. it's still business being done if you yeah. are if you acquire a business if you are acquired if you merge even if you have like a strategic partnership this is the I, this is probably stupid to say but this is the creativity of having a business is you get to yeah. pull these levers mm -hmm. and create something that works for you for you and yeah. um and so again it's not good or bad it's choice yeah i don't know I agree. maybe in some ways no, some, some ways sometimes it's not so great and if you if you catch me yeah. in private someday maybe i'll chat your ear off about <laughs> some of these topics but um yeah well i've yeah. certainly seen founders who have had seller's remorse you know and i've certainly mm. talked to private equity people who have had buyer's remorse, you know, and, mm -hmm. um, but I do think when these deals go well, I think it's kind of like a, like a starlit moment, like a star, it, you, you hit your celebrity. It's so rare that like people actually become celebrities that move to Hollywood and try to make it in the film industry. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, it's so, so, so rare, even more rare to get a deal like with Nestle or Chobani or something like that when you're a founder. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's great that you bring up that there's opportunities for smaller deals. You don't have to sell if you don't want to. You can work with the Coffee MBA, for example, um, and get your, you know, get some of those business skills and things like that. But yeah, I mean, your exit doesn't have to be a sale. There's a lot of other opportunities, right? And so mm -hmm. I'm glad you bring that up. But when I bring up the buyers and sellers remorse, that's not always the case either. You know, there's always, there are lots of great deals. I think we just have negativity bias and there's oftentimes we talk about things if they went wrong more than we talk about things yeah. if they went right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I, you know, I was thinking about that and I was like, I mean, I'm in, in touch with Tony a little bit here and there, but like, we don't, you know, talk, but I was thinking like, <laughs> how does he feel uh, on this side of yeah. it, right? You know, um, let's ask him be, at SCA. I know I'm going to now. Yes. When I introduce him to you, yeah. we will ask him. And I apologize to him in person for the things I said. I think too, <laughs> I think if people want to hear more about, you know, Tony's reaction or what it's like to sell your business, like they should write us a note. You can always write us mm -hmm. through the coffeemba.co or any other way, but, um, we love feedback in this group more than anything Miranda you and I are like feedback porters <laughs> yeah, so, dude. um anything you guys want to tell us about M&A or about exit strategies or if you want to hear more about founder reactions to their sales or their merger and acquisition experience we can come at you with more of that yeah please yeah. let us know let let, yeah. let let the conversation continue for sure Although we do have a lot of other juicy topics we can get into too. I know, so much. <laughs> well, man, thanks, Heather. This was fun. Yeah, thank you for telling that amazing story, Miranda. You're such an industry lifer, it seems like. I love it. I am.
I'm and I love that our even. worlds were just orbiting around each other when we were in LA and then Austin and you know. <laughs> it's so weird. How did we not meet until last fall? Like I don't get it. I don't know, but, but you've always been cooler than me, I think. So that's probably how. <laughs> I don't think so. Not true. All right. Thanks, Miranda. So good Thanks, chatting Heather. with you. You too. See Bye. You.